Craft Beer Radio, episode 115, May 14th, 2008. And welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show dedicated to craft beer. In the craft brewing industry, I'm Greg Weiss. And I'm Jeff Barrow over here. And we are doing Missouri beers. A couple days before we head off to Saver. So or actually, if you're not from the area, you might say Missouri. Yeah, you're going to hear this after Saver. And uh, Matt Anthony? No. Mark? Mark Anthony, really? Did no, Matt Anthony. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> which one was the... The guy who's married to J-Lo? Yeah, which one's him and which one's the guy who sent us the beer? Matt Anthony. And wasn't he like some beers. Greek guy, Mark Anthony? Anyway, Matt used to live in Pittsburgh... And he's in St. Louis now, and he sent us some beers. Well, let's have them. Let's have at it. Let's start with the Pilsner. All right. Good and this is the Ray Hills American Pilsner Hill Brewing Company, St. Louis, Missouri. They have a website at rayhills.com. Pours a yellow, yellow to straw color. Very, very clear. clear. Very clear. White, Super fluffy head. It sticks around. It, it's uh, still uh, three quarters of an inch thick. Get some Pilsner malt in there. You get uh, it's kind of like a, a Bohemian Pilsner, like Pilsner Quality. You get some malty sweetness, a little bit of graham mm-hmm. cracker in the. Uh, what I like to think of is graham cracker in the malt aroma on this. Good call. Definitely notice that there's a spicy hop stuff. Would you mm-hmm. say that's um, that's probably a continental hop or, or uh, a Hillertau, like a Zotz or something? Yeah, it's continental. I'm not sure which one. Has Ray a, Hills American Pilsner has a little bit of a sweet honey aroma as well, like a, you know, like what you get from a. I'm not saying there's honey in the beer, but I'm getting an aroma that's sweet and um, a little bit tinny, like a honey aroma would be. This beer won gold medal at the 2007 Microfest. There's a there's a real. This is a very malty pilsner. You mm-hmm. notice that it's got a lot of kind of deep malty flavors more toffee like mm-hmm. very interesting and distinctive because of that it's it's not your typical well, bohemians hoppy are, pilsner bohemians are more on the malty side like pilsner quells more malty than like spaten pils or something like that so there's the bohemian and there's the bavarian the, Bava- the bavarian see yeah. i get my b's confused That's sometimes okay. I mean, this is an american pilsner and i think there might be a little bit of corn in here i'm getting a a slight bit of Oh, how to describe the flavor, but, you, you know, kind of what you get when you drink crappy lager, right? But it's, <laughs> a little extra sweetness. I don't think there is. According to the website, they just say caramel roasted barley and imported Zotz hops. Okay, then I'm full. So, uh, actually, now the more I drink it, they're doing maybe, oh, six-row malt. Maybe they're using six-row malt. American six-row. It has a, a different flavor. It's not... Well, it's cheaper to do six-row malt, right? So yeah. it makes sense at a, at a small yeah. brewery. Um, Keith, you know, who's been on the show before, he brews a style of beer called Classic American Pilsner that he um, actually went best in show with right. at the, the homebrew competition. And I believe he used a six-row in that. Um, six-row has higher diastatic power. It can convert uh, non-barley grain. So that's why they use it with corn and things like that. But maybe the flavor I'm tasting is more signature from the six-row than it is from corn or something like that. I actually like this a lot. It has a, it has a nice smooth finish. Uh, doesn't linger too long. There's a bit, a tiny bit of spice at the end, but it's not a very bitter mm-hmm. 
beer. I'm actually really, really enjoying this. You know, I was looking at the Beer Advocate review, and of course, it's a Pilsner, an American Pilsner. So, what's it going to be rated? C. This is better than a C, definitely. Yeah, I mean B, B minus probably. I don't know if I go much higher than a B though. I wouldn't go much higher than a B, but I think this deserves a B. This is a good drinker, an easy drinker. It's got uh, that's actually that's really hard for me. Do I'd have to you know judge each component and and see where that works out? But I mean, just overall impression. I mean, you and I are kind of go going to go more for the hoppy pilsners. I think mm-hmm. that that's more art towards our style. This isn't this isn't like as malty as a Vienna, a Vienna lager either. But mm-hmm. there's an interesting toffiness with that uh, with that breadiness that really carries this this through and gives it that nice drinkability factor. On the top of the label, does beer written in four languages, and none of them are English. Has beer in German. Has beer in French. Beer in Italian and beer in Spanish. Well, I guess there's a lot of. Um, <laughs> is there a lot of cultures in in Missouri that we don't know? About? <laughs> Not sure. No, I, I enjoy it. It's interesting how it's at first sip it tasted. It got less malty the more I drank it. I think, or less less of the the biscuity the, malt. To, the biscuity the toffee malt, and it got more into. Just a grain backbone, a malt backbone to it. You know, pretty regular. A little bit of DMS or something like that. A little bit of sulfuriness, and then the hops, which is are, fine for the mm-hmm. style, and I think it really right. works well. And then, and then the hops that are in there supporting I mean, it. This is not an IPA, and so if you try to judge it on those standards, it's going to fail miserably. If you well, try to compare certainly. it to something like that, uh, that Weizenbach I had last night. You know, of course it doesn't stand up to mm-hmm. it, but that's a totally different beer entirely. For what this was going for, I think it does its job very well. There's an interesting flavor in it. I'm trying to figure out how to describe it because I want to say it's like apple or cidery, but those are both like bad for beers. But this isn't a bad flavor, It's so I need to find a better way to describe it. There's a bit, I think, of kind of an aftertaste of tea. Does that kind of get close to it? Without being quite that dry. Like green tea? Something like that. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Well, that beer is gone. The, that was the Ray Hills American Pilsner. Okay, so our next beer comes from the St. Louis Brewery slash Shaftley Tap Room. This is Summer Colshale. Now, Shaftley has a large selections of beers here. They have a Doppelbach, they have a Dortmunder, they have a English Dark Mild, Munich Hellas, Rye Beer, Foreign st- an Export Stout, English Brown Ale. They're in the shadow of the beast there in yeah. St. Louis. Russian Imperial Stout. Oh, this is their, sh- this is their summer Kolsch. This is different yes. from their regular Kolsch. Oh, okay. So, you know, we should probably describe what a Kolsch is because... Originating Cologne is a well-balanced, well-mannered, and perfect companion for the lazy days of summer. <laughs> Kolsch is going to be kind of light to medium in, in body. It's going to have a medium hop assertiveness, I think, and, and kind of a, a grapey flavor you would get from it, from, from the malts, right? I mean, sort of a vinous yeah, often quality. you'll get this, this vinous uh, green grape type flavor. Very clear, just like the last one. Probably a little bit paler, a little more, more yellow, less gold in the color. The uh, head's white and fluffy. It's a finer head than the last one. This one's more like shaving cream. 
you definitely smell some of that vinegar's quality coming off of it. it. It's almost a little, it almost smells a little sour, but I don't think it's going to taste sour. I think that's just the aroma. So Kolsch's are German ales, mm. but they are cold conditioned. Um, the yeast have evolved to, to ferment at ale temperatures, and then after the primary fermentation is done, you, you chill them down. So it's an ale that's been lagered. Yes, exactly. It's an ale that's been lagered or cold conditioned, right. which some people will say. Lager uh, just means storage in German. So some yeast will do different things when it cools down. They might, when they go into dormant, they might, they'll take up chem- nutrients from the beer to store when they go into dormancy. So when they wake back up, and that'll take out some of, maybe some of the um, diacetyl and other things like that out of the beer and store it back in the yeast cells. And when it settles out, you have a cleaner tasting beer. This is good. I'm this actually is... I'm actually lagering an ale in my chest freezer right behind this wall. I brewed an alt beer mm. and I fermented it at 68 degrees for two weeks, and then I'm going to put it. Yeah, I put it in the chest freezer at 40 degrees, 40 degrees for uh, three to four weeks. So it's in there chilling out right now, chilling out. Get it? Uh huh. I'm anxious to see what comes of it. This this is very good. It give it gives you an upfront big kind of. I mean, not not super big because it is. Still, basically, mm-hmm. you know, it's a lagered ale. It's not going to be an especially huge. There's, there's front, good. There's, really um, you know, I'm getting that this thing is potent with a good um, toasty malt. There's a good toast flavor to it. A really good and healthy bit of bitterness with the hops mm-hmm. in there, which is, I think, very important because you want that to counterbalance some of those um, estery type flavors you're getting. Yeah, so I'm getting two two main things or three main things. I'm getting the toasty malt that blends into the the grapey vinousness. The the thing you mentioned where it smelled sour, it's it's a tartar flavor than than the sweet malt. It's so not it, sour though. I mean, yeah. I want to make that clear. It, it's tartar than the sweet malt, so it, it kind of turns down that way, and then you get some hoppiness towards the the mid to late, and then it just finishes really clean. It's a good beer. This is. Very well done. I like the Kolsch style. I, I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's gotten more and more popular mm-hmm. as people realize that it it's a distinctive, almost. I mean, for for lager fans, it's a distinctive, very clean ale that really, you know, that that sells well. That, that is, you know, mm-hmm. has good flavor and at the same time gives you the real cleanness and the refreshment. It's been a while since we've had Kolsch, you know, a few Kolsches. This one. Seems to be a little more toasty than most. Would you say so? Or again, I've not had a Kolsch in a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you, you get at front. There's a lot of flavor. The nice thing about it is, it is it finishes pretty clean. So you get a huge amount of flavor. Big, like like Jeff said, great quality and malt at front. Then the bitterness hits, and then it mm-hmm. kind of melts away. When I say toasty, I don't really mean like porter or anything. I mean more mm-hmm. like white bread crust. You know, I'm getting a little bit more of that kind of toastiness than um, what I think a Kolsch would typically have. I'm not saying it's off style. But you know, I'm saying I'm it's, it's more, a characteristic of the spirit. I'm thinking more pizza crust. Okay. I mean, that may not be, I mean, it may be yeah. relatively the same thing, but I think more along those lines. No, no, that works too. I think they're relatively to similar. To me, they're pretty yeah. similar, yeah. But I'm, I, I think if you're taking, a, you know, an average Kolsch, 
There's not really an average Kolsch. It's not like it's that widely distributed. We got to call it Köln, right? You get yeah. the Köln in Germany, get right. your average Kolsch. This one seems to be a little bit more toasty. And I'm not saying it's off style. I'm just saying, hey, this is what is different about the beer from what you might expect if you're familiar with the style. I like it. I really like it. It's so hard for a beer like this to be a wow beer. You know, I mean, it, it, it's. I don't think a culture is ever. Gonna, it's a it's a workhorse beer, really. Yeah. It's like it's the standby. It's the you watching the hockey game. Penguins gonna you know beat the Flyers tomorrow. <laughs> we'll see if that works. Since I'm talking in the past right now, oh, we don't want to curse. You know, curse yeah, your team exactly. But you know, this is just a good standby beer when you're doing one of hundreds of things. Mm-hmm. And I I would judge this and rank it very highly. But yeah, it's not going to be a beer I'm going to remember at the end of the year. Yeah, this is not going on anybody's top ten list. We're, I think we're very strong advocates for the fact that you shouldn't only drink beers that go on people's top ten lists. You shouldn't mm-hmm. only drink the top 100 beers. Oh. That'd be... I would put this on a don't pass up list. Yeah, I would too. Sure. If you're in Missouri and you see Shafley Summer Kolsch, go for it. If you're a crazy hophead flavored ale guy, try this one first. But try it with an open mind, mm-hmm. and you'll know this is, you know, Greg and I love Dortmunders. Right. This is pretty close to the Dortmunder flavor that Greg and I it really is, love. It is. It is. It's got a little bit of that sweetness. It's got that bitterness, you know, strong mm-hmm. bitterness that a Dortmunder has. It's, it's a very clean end. It's got more freeness than a Dortmunder. That's kind Certainly, of some yeah. of the difference. And it is an ale as opposed to Dortmunders, which are lagers. Okay, so that was the Shafley Summer Coal Shale. Mm-mm, good. Not bad at all. Okay, so now we're going to go to our friends at Boulevard Brewing. Mm-hmm. This is the uh, Zone. Zon? Zone? How would you say that with the Zone? I think it's Zon. I think zon. The, the, the line over the O is Ah, I think. Okay. There's, a, there's an accent over the O. It's a long, straight line. So Zone, Zon... I thought that'd be more of an O. See, I think an O would be the two the umlauts over. Wouldn't that be? No. That'd be more of an O. Yeah. And then, not sure. The well, the Z O N beer from Boulevard <laughs> Brewing Company. This is a Belgian style wit beer. Three point four percent alcohol by volume. Not exactly. Now this is me. interesting on the label because the label has flowers and fruit either. Or I guess oranges. Yes, yeah, so there's orange peel in it. Duh. That's why there's oranges on. So I mean, I guess coriander probably flowers before it makes its uh, seeds, right? Or cilantro flowers. Right. So it's probably cilantro flowers and and oranges on the label here, along with hops and barley. This is a summer release. Three, like I said, three point four percent alcohol by volume. So this is a session beer in every sense of the word. And you know, for for a wit beer. I'm not getting much aroma here at all. No, I'm getting, I'm getting I'm getting wheat. I'm not getting coriander. The lo- actually, to be honest, the last wit beer that I tasted was Southampton's Imperial Wheat, which is like a twelve on the <laughs> coriander scale. Yeah, it's a, that's a little <laughs> too much for me. <laughs> actually, it's a lot, but it, uh, to me, it's not overdone. I mean, it's it's taking it up to the edge and like. Dancing with the devil, but I to don't me, think it's, it's overdone. To, to me, it's, you know, it's really dancing with the devil in the pale moonlight, as they say. Okay, so Zahn is Flemish for sun. The rest of this just talks about the whip beer. It's a traditional Belgian-style whip beer or white beer. It has 
coriander and orange peel, traditional ingredients. Maybe it's no marketing speak in here. That's great. Thank you, Boulevard, for not uh, bashing me over the head with some poetic crap about how this beer was forged in the sun. And- well, there's a government warning. I'm still not getting much aroma. I'm not getting all. coriander, but I'm getting lots of wheat and maybe some orange peel in the aroma. But I'm not getting too much coriander. Not even, you know, like if I'm thinking Hogarden, it might be pretty close in the aroma to, like, how much coriander comes out of Hogarden. It's been a while. Okay, here here I have some information on this. Pale malt, unmalted soft red winter wheat and malted white wheat, Magnum and Simcoe hops. Magnum and Simcoe hops in a wit beer? Very small. Okay. <laughs> the alcohol content is 3.5 by weight, but 4.4 by volume. Take a sip of this puppy because, well, you said you weren't getting aroma. I'm sure you're going to get flavor. It's a potent wit beer, I think. I'm getting lots of wheat, lots of lemon and tartness. I'm only getting coriander in the the evaporation, you know, what's going up into my sinuses after I take a sip. I'm getting a slight bit of coriander there. The wheat's the the main character here. It's it's stronger than most wit beers. Yeah, I mean it's only twelve flavor. IBUs, mm-hmm. so that'll give you an example of you know the bitterness there that the, the hops are barely detectable. It takes a while, I think, for that flavor to hit me. And at first, I was like, this is kind of almost tastes like Sprite or 7-Up. There's a bit of that effervescence and quality, and that's it. It takes a while for the for the fruit flavor to come to come at you. I think I'm able to pick up a little bit of Simcoe. Maybe so at, at the very end, there's a little bit of bitterness. There's a little, kind of bit of, there's a little bit of fruitiness there that... It blends with the orange peel and the wheat, but I think it comes across as a little bit of apricot, like we're used to with Simcoe. If you're expecting strong lemon flavors, you're not going to find it. But think you more, don't think so? I'm getting strong think lemon more flavors. Think more key lime. Think more sweet combined with a tiny bit of lemon, like a Meyer lemon or something like that. Something that's really more sweet than lemony. It has a bit of that lemon flavor, but it's got mm. a lot more sweetness to it. And it really does take a while... A lot longer than other whip beers, I think, for the flavor to hit me. It, it still feels like that carbonation up front is giving me nothing but really carbonation and a bit of wheat, a bit of wheat, and then the flavor is coming. Then it comes, and then it kind of lingers around and goes away and ends on a slightly bitter note. The coriander in this thing is scaled down a lot from like a lot of the wheat beers that I've had yeah. recently. It's it's barely it's detectable. There. It's there, and I think you can pick it up, especially at the end. Especially mm-hmm. when, when all the other flavors are gone, you feel that you, you taste the remnants of the hops, and you taste the remnants of the coriander. I do like the potency of the wheat. I think it's it's not often that you have a wheat beer that I, I'd love to see the percentages on this one because you know there's times when you're drinking a beer, especially when you're trying to learn what wheat tastes like. You don't know if you're tasting wheat or barley right. or something else. This one, I think it's pretty easy to know what winter red wheat tastes like. And malted white wheat. Okay. Well, yeah. And pale malt. So okay, I'm sorry. I missed what too. you read. I only heard the winter red. Um, so, yeah, there's two kinds of wheat. But, I mean, I, I think this one really showcases the the kind of flavors you get from wheat. I'm not in love with it. I think that there are beers that better say wheat than this one. There's certainly beers that better say wit beer. Yeah. Uh, absolutely on that. 
But I, I'm getting an experience from this beer that I, I seldom get from wheat beers, where it's obvious what the wheat tastes like. It, no? I'm going to have to disagree with you there. I really don't feel – I mean, I feel that there is an upfront somewhat weedy taste. I think it's hard to pick out amongst you know a lot of the carbonation and, and some of the other stuff. And then get you know more fruity. And as I drink more, I'm getting more and more of that fruitiness, which still tastes to me more like – a Meyer lemon than a full-on lemon, you know, more like a sweeter lemon or, or um, a key lime is much sweeter lime. And then it, it, it ends, like I said, on a slightly okay. bitter, slightly coriander note. But I really don't get – and then maybe it's just my tongue. Maybe it's just the way I'm interpreting this beer. I'm not getting a whole lot of wheat. I usually – I generally really love wheat beers. I love the flavor that wheat imparts. This one has given me not so much of that <laughs> – Wheatness that I like. I mean, I like the, the texture is great. The texture mm-hmm. on other beer is really great. That's one of the other things I love about wheat beers is they give you this kind of grainy, but uh, grainy smooth texture. Somehow it really no, works. Sure, I agree. And I agree with the texture. Okay, so we're gonna go back to Shaffley for the next one, and we're gonna go to Scotland. This is their Scotch style ale. I'm terrible at the Scottish accent. <laughs> This was bottled with love on January twenty first, two thousand eight. It reminds me of um, on Old Chub, the cans for Old Chub from Oscar Blues, which is their Scot Scottish ale. It has they have a it's horrible like, Scottish dialect. Well, they have it's like Sputnik, which is that line from So I Married an Axe Murderer. Does it? I, I never saw that. Where you know the Scottish father said that the, that the guy's head is like Sputnik sphere, like Sputnik sphere, but, but around but, but pointy, quite, and pointy and parts. <laughs> I never saw that part. I know when last time we had it, I, I tried to read it in a horrible Scottish accent, but I don't remember the Sputnik part. Maybe that's new. Maybe it's new. It's on the cans. So this, which, which one is this? This is Shaffley Scotch Ale, Scotch style ale. Shaffley is in St. Louis. I should have known course. that by we were just talking about Scotch style ales and dark, full body with big caramel character and a smooth, rich maltiness. This springtime seasonal is brewed in honor of Scotland's famous poet Robert Burns. All right, so this is also classified as a wee heavy. It's six point two percent. Maybe we should have done the other one first. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> getting a sulfury aroma. I'm getting a little bit of the, uh, the dirty sewer drain. Really? A little bit. It's it's overpowering the maltiness. I was expecting. To no, smell. I'm getting more just. We're, we're really not syncing with each other today, are we? I'm, I'm getting more of a caramelish malty. I swirled it a little bit. Keep almost knocking your glass over. I swirled I it. I swirled it. I got the alcohol that you'd expect in a wee heavy. I'm getting the alcohol aroma on it now. Yeah, you know what I just smelled in, in the aroma? A bit of peatiness. Okay, flavor no sewer drain. How do you describe this? Okay, where the Kolsch had something of a grapey quality to it, mm-hmm. this has kind of uh, a bit of a cherry quality to I it. I was just thinking cherries. Maybe because I knew you were going into another fruit, right. but I'm like, grapes? This one's cherries. I was mm-hmm. just going to say that. It's got more bitterness at the end, too. It, it's interesting how fruity it is. I was expecting something a lot more peaty, malty. Right. The doppelbocky, decocted, mash, burnt, dark caramel flavors. I was expecting more of that. And it's more on the fruity side. And that, like, like the peat malt flavor, I barely get it at all. If it, you know. I mean, it's, I think the, the malt is really kind of disguising itself as fruit here. It's, it's interesting mm-hmm. 
the way you can manipulate malt and make all these, these different flavors come kind of because this isn't coming from the yeast like you know most estery type flavors come from. This is coming directly from the malt, and you're getting this. the The malt is giving you this sweetie, this sweet, this sweet sweetie. cherry. Uh, you know, not tart cherry, but still, you know. And we say dark cherry too often, but this really, there's definitely a bit of cherry there's, in here. There's also a fair amount of hops in this thing, bittering it out and a tiny bit of flavor. And, you know, in a traditional wheat heavy, it's going to be a really malty, sweet, you know, scotch style beers typically don't have much hops in it, just enough to get by. And an American interpretation. It's going to be hoppy as hell. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say it's going to be hoppy as hell, but I'm going to say it is, I think it's more than is traditional. I think it's not a nice flavor in the beer. But I'm just one of noting that it's more than it's traditional. I mean, Scotch shells are the kind of the ones they go through like a long boil in the kettle to try to get the big caramelization of the wort. Mm-hmm. You know, it definitely looks that it's got the caramelization, but the taste is really much more fruity and much more. Yeah, maybe uh, you know, maybe the yeast they used you know, gives off some more fruity esters than you know what's typically done in a Scottish ale. I mean, you think well, yeah, when you think Scottish ale, you think malty caramel. You think also. The yeast seem to give off a really apple-y flavor, I tend to find. Like like Belhaven, that's a Scottish ale. Mm-hmm. But, or McEwen's, which is a, a heavier Scotch ale. Lots of apple flavors. And this one's more cherries and, and sweet. So I think we can accurately say this one really isn't to style, if you're going by style guide. Well, if you were going to blind, try to categorize this one, where would you put it? This would be tough for me to categorize it. I mean... Looking at it, I would know it's not an old ale, but it would be hard for me to say it wasn't. It's not particular. I mean, it, it, there is some bitterness there, but it's not bitter enough to be something in the old ale or barley wine category, I'd say. And you, you, can, you can almost feel the alcohol in it. You can mm-hmm. feel that it's a heavier beer. And you, I hesitate to classify things. Oh, this is this is just a, a strong amber or something like that. So I think I you think know, we I, heavy still fits. Well, I it's, mean, it's it's not a it's not a classic example, but I think the style still fits. I, yeah, I definitely think that you know if you're judging this on a style, and we actually should talk about the the message thing we had in the message board about styles. Mm-hmm. If you're judging this on a style, that this is not going to be a stellar example of the we heavy style. However. It may. It might judge well. I, I think it's close enough to style that I could still judge, judge well, well for being a good beer. I think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not a classic example. It's an interpretation. But it doesn't have to be a classic example to score right. a high score. That's true. That's true. It, it, it's an interpretation of it, and, and it's a, a very American interpretation, mm-hmm. which is, you know, American beers, particularly now, are all about flavor, 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 flavor. Scottish shells are kind of about flavor, flavor, flavor. Yes, but Scotch I mean, but, especially. but flavor as derived from, not so much derived from malt, but derived from hops, derived from fruitiness. Let's do a little uh, backstep here. We're talking about Scottish ales, Scotch ales, and wheat heavies. There's there's basically three categories of, of Scottish ales. There's the Scottish ales, and you hear things like 60 shilling, and it had to do with the tax bracket, which I'm not completely up on, so I'm not going to try to get too many details on the taxes, but they taxed it based on the alcohol content or the amount of malt used or something like that. So the Scottish Ale is the lightest one of the three, that in typically called the 60 shilling. And then when you get stronger, you'll get into Scotch Ales, 
which will have more malty flavor and higher alcohol. And then you'll get into the Wee Heavies, which is probably really close to a barley wine without the bitterness. So you'll have, you know, and the you know, different yeast, a little more peat smoke type flavor in there. So there, there's three classes of Scottish style ales, Scottish, Scotch, and Wee Heavy. And this one, I don't know if I'd go all the way to Wee Heavy. It's, See, it's the reason Scotch why I'm saying Old Ales, because in those Old Ales, you know, the really good Old Ales, you taste a lot of fruitiness. You get a lot of that fruitiness coming from the malt. More alcohol, though, darker maltiness, a little bit more bitterness. So, I mean, that's why I, I'd kind of lean towards calling it, it an old fit ale. There. It might fit there. I think it needs a little more bitterness. To it needs more bitterness. It needs darker yeah. malts. It needs it needs more alcohol. So, I mean, if I wasn't looking at it, I might call it an old ale. But looking at it is impossible to say it's an old ale. It doesn't, doesn't fit the description. All right. Going to the final beer? Yes. All right. So... Uh, this is from O'Fallon Brewery, which is in O'Fallon, Missouri. Goat's Breath Bock Ale. This is another 6.2% beer. This is uh, Bock. A nice malty lager, essentially. Bocks are also, like Scottish ales, not very hoppy, not very bitter. Tons of malt. In the brewing process, they or the mashing process, they you do what they call a decoction mash, where they take out a portion of the mash and boil the grains, and it really caramelizes, you know, some of the sugars in the grains there, and you get a really full, rich, malty flavor. Well, here's something interesting they say on their website. There's not much of description here, Holy and then some of, it, some of it is marketing speak. But listen to this. We brew this dark and rich tasting beer with our house cold yeast to create a Bach ale. Conventional German Bach beers are brewed with lager yeast, but our passion is great beer, and we love to defy tradition every now and then. So this is brewed Smell with... Smell this thing. That is really uh, chocolatey. I'm getting, yeah, this chocolate. I'm getting chocolate and cayenne. Yeah. Yeah. There's a... There's a it kind of smells like you melted some semi-sweet chocolates with a little bit of cayenne pepper, or, or, or like a mole, which is which is excellent, by the way. I recommend. I heartily recommend putting a little bit of cayenne pepper in your chocolate. Mm-hmm. Makes or, it so or, much better. Almost like a mole, like a chocolate. Yeah, yeah. I think that that that's a good choc- uh, Mexican chocolate, which is usually made to make mole, is a bit more bitter than chocolate we're used to, and of course, a mole is a savory chocolate dish. Mm-hmm. Oh, that I, I smelled it again. I started to get. Got a different kind of chocolate, like Hershey's syrup, chocolate milk type of aroma really? for a second there too. You know, or I think, cocoa, I think or cocoa powder, Hershey's dark chocolate, or something like powder. that. Yeah, I mean, it, it still smells like a bitter chocolate. You know, it still has a bit of that bitterness mm-hmm. into it. So I don't think of it. It's not a milk chocolate. It, it's definitely not like a Hershey's, uh, but it's got a good bit of chocolate to it. It's funny they have a, ch- a cherry chocolate beer. <laughs> a dark wheat beer they say that tastes like a, co- a chocolate covered cherry only better my best my guess is that's a that's a uh, Weizenbach flavor on this one it's not really chocolatey it's more malty with a bit of smoke actually the chocolate comes through in the late aftertaste chocolate's there there's definitely chocolate there it's it's yeah it's, it's chocolate without chocolate you know mm-hmm. it, it, it's giving you a lot of those flavors a lot of those Bitter, Bit, uh, bitter chocolate, no, yeah. unsweetened yeah. chocolate, unsweetened sure. bitter chocolate, like those, cho- those cocoa nibs. Mm-hmm. Remember, we had oh, those cocoa nibs yeah. at the uh, at one of those events. It was a very kind of similar aroma and flavor here. So it's it's a bitterness 
there, there's a sweetness associated with chocolate, but I mean, but it's contracted by still that cayenne flavor. I mean, it's not spicy at all, but there's that cayenne flavor in there. It's and, and you'll notice that if you put cayenne pepper in chocolate, it's not going to be spicy. Mm-hmm. It's going to add an extra dimension of flavor, and I agree with you. There's a that same sort of dimension that is added is noticeable in this beer. Mm-hmm. It's the same kind of added dimension to chocolate. Kind of wakes it up a bit more because if it was just a bit of chocolate, it'd be a little too. It wouldn't quite fit. This is woken up nicely and, and it's given a the, um, really interesting. It took another aroma, and I'm still smelling that cayenne bit, but this time it came across closer to an old brune multi brown ale with a bit of you know soury vinegar in it. It doesn't taste sour, but take the aroma again and see. Do you get anything that reminds you of an old brune? No. No? Okay, no. so I'm smelling it and I'm thinking it's it's kind of like a Petrus or something as well where I'm getting, it's not nearly as tart. There's no tartness at all, but in the aroma for some reason I'm getting some of the other aromatics that you get from a, 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 a Flanders Brown or something like that. This is another beer that I think is not Exactly, the style. I mean, well, they say it on their website. They brew this with cold yeast. This is so it's brewed with nail yeast. This mm-hmm. is not. Uh, this is not to style specifications. How would you blindly describe this? Oh, balls! I don't know. This is not one you pick a style from blindly because that flavor. If you were blindfolded... You think it was a chocolate ale or something, right? I mean, you think there was chocolate added or, or, if, or it was designed to be a chocolate If beer. you were blindfolded, you would think that it's black. You would think that it's some kind of chocolate stout or something like that, or porter. Or I think it's got... It doesn't have quite the smoothness of a stout, so I might think more along porter. We didn't talk about the color. This one pours slightly cloudy brown, tea-colored. It's Yeah, uh, iced tea color. So what you'd expect from a buck, or yeah, yeah, it's really interesting, and I think it's it's definitely also one not to miss if you're in the area. This is a good one. This is something to to check out. Interesting that they kind of disagree with us on Beer Advocate. They say uh, musty banana bread, nutty and caramel cookie sweetness in the aroma. Banana bread, not at all. I'm not getting anything like that. I mean, it, it, it's chocolate. It's so it's chocolate. They say strong hazelnut and bready flavor, a certain richness of the flavor. I'm surprised no one here is saying chocolate. And to me, it's very strongly bitter chocolate. Let me bring this up before we close out the show. Uh, Greg from New Zealand posted a, uh, a thing about um, a podcast rant from Peter Bokart, who says he finds styles constricting. And Peter Bokart is the brewer at New Belgium Brewing right. Company. An impediment to his art. Uh, and Luke, who's a brewer of Epic Pale Ale in New Zealand, also posted he couldn't enter Epic in many competitions because of style constraints. Uh, defining the New Zealand the Strong Pilsner or whatever it might become. And he's saying, he's wondering if styles were a great way to get people in the beer, but, but if they, that narrow definition of styles has corrupted beer in a sense and corrupted beer judging. And I think, you know, I posted a response that said, look, you know, if it's all about awards, and beer to me is not all about awards, beer is about making great beers, then it's one thing, but you know, no one's bound to make a style. Like, look at these guys, the, the Kolsch and, and the... Right. And the... Um, 
the 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 Bach we just tasted are are certainly not what you would call style. Well, the Kolsch, maybe but the, the the Bach and the uh, what was the other one? The, the Scottish Ale. Certainly not mm-hmm. what you would call the style, but they're right. still great beers. So nothing's preventing these people from making uh-huh. beers out of style. It's just preventing maybe judging them within the style, and that is not really I I think should shouldn't be the goal of a great brewer. Uh, when you listen to Peter Bucher talk, um, I heard an interview on Basic Brewing Radio last year from the Craft Brewers Conference, and um, he's to make his point. He's very anti-style. He's excessively anti-style, just to make his point hit home. And while he wants to make people think about how styles aren't the be-all end-all, but he kind of says, you know, styles should be abolished. I agree that people should think about, you know, not having to fit a beer into a style category. But, you know, doing this podcast, I made an example on the website that, you know, it's immensely helpful for us to have a common language. Uh, Greg, who posted this thing in New Zealand, can only get 1% of the beers that we drink on the show, if that. And, uh, but, you know, if we say that the... um, you know, a lot of these beers we compared to a classic example of the style, the Bach, the Wit beer, the Kolsch, the the Pils, every single beer we compared to a classic example. So as long as Greg is able to get how this beers, is, how this differs from a classic classic example. He has a baseline right. to, to make a mental picture of what we're describing. So to me, I need styles. Hundred percent need styles. Right. But I also don't think that this Bach should be knocked for not Fitting into the style, or the Scottish shell should be knocked for being a perfect example of a wee heavy, you know. Well, I mean, but if there's, you know, okay, here's a here's the thing that is a very tasty beer, but compared to, like you said, a near perfect or perfect example of a wee heavy, which would win in competition. But our show's not necessarily about no, comp- our show's yeah. not right. But they're talking about competition. Which would win in competition? Well, probably the near perfect example. Well, there's not in- always there's though. intangibles, though, right? If you come up right. with this beer that is just so fantastic that it works and it's amazing it doesn't it but it's off style for you know a little bit it's not a big deal now maybe the beers that are brewing are completely maybe it's the the chocolate raspberry cinnamon cayenne truffle beer right and enter it in the experimental category 23 i think it's 23 and that is pretty much a catch-all for anything that's you know experimental and new and upcoming if you're if you're about making good beer and you don't care about styles, then why do you care about ribbons? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, I understand Greg's point, which is that in New Zealand it's hard to promote beer, and promoting beer as an award-winning beer gives you a little bit more clout. On the other hand, you know, in some way you just have to kind of just go with the flying dog. Good beer, no shit. <laughs> you kind of have to wait for your. I know it's hard, especially if you live in a place that never great beer, but you sort of have to wait for that culture to catch up. It took a when we started this podcast. I don't think Pittsburgh was had really caught up in the great in understanding beer. Now I really think it has with more of these bars, more places having much more style of beer, much more availability. It's one of those things in the in the sense you kind of have to wait for, and you kind of have to you know. Go in baby steps, mm-hmm. but you're going to get there eventually. And I don't think just giving awards because, you know, judging judging styles or judging not against style is going to help you in that regard. You have to have 
baselines for what you're working on so that you can deviate from a baseline. Right. No, I agree. I agree completely. I think styles are a necessity, but I don't think anyone should be bound to a style. If a beer doesn't fit a style, they shouldn't automatically say it sucks, right? right. I think most people will agree with that if they stop to think about it. And Peter Buchart, in his speech, makes you think about it. But if you blindly follow everything he says, he's a little little too extreme. Mm-hmm. Right. So ranking time. Ranking Got my rank time. here. Number right. one beer of the night. I'm going to have to make it the Shafley Kolsch. Lovely beer. Uh, you know, like I talk about, Greg and I love those Dortmunders, love those Kolsches, and that guy hit home. Number two, I'm going to make the Goat's Breath Bach Ale from O'Fallon because of chocolate cayenne Bach. <laughs> I mean, it was... It's a it's a don't don't pass up. It's a oh, would it be wow? Didn't make me say wow. No, no it's not a wow. It wasn't wasn't especially with the tartness. It's, I was, it's a don't pass up beer. Especially with the tartness, I was getting towards the end. It seems like this bottle might have started to go off slightly. So I can't call it flawless. Wow, amazing. But yeah, it's if you get one and you taste chocolate and cayenne in yours, you're gonna be like, holy crap, that's that's worth tasting. I'm going to put the Pilsner from Ray Hills Brewing, number three. Um, just enjoyed it. Good American, uh, good Pilsner, which I think had six row, which gave it an interesting twist to it. Right. Because, you know, here in Pennsylvania, we're able to get a lot of good American Pilsners, but they're all two row. They're, they're all, taste a certain way. You do it with six row and you do it well. It has this interesting taste to it. I'm going to put the Boulevard Zone, the Sun, Beer number four. Um, I enjoy. I think that showcasing the wheat, which you know, to me, made it a good example of what a wit beer could be. And I'm going to put the Shafley Scotch at last. Um, I don't want to say last. I'll put it next. <laughs> <laughs> it um, it was it was good. It just wasn't up to the rest of them, in my opinion. I can't really disagree with anything you said, and I really agree with the the way you stack them. I mean, the Kolsch was just an eminently drinkable beer, an eminently enjoyable beer, the kind of beer that Jeff and I have really grown to love, the kind of beer we probably wouldn't have loved two years ago. Yeah. But now we've really grown to love it. And I think we – and it may be our bias here in trying to promote – Beers that are like this, beers that, that have this, you know, the, the interesting flavors, but without being overwhelming. They have the 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 bit of. Um, I don't know if I'd say bias. I mean, if we truly enjoy it, is it really a bias? It's not like we're pushing an agenda. No, we like I mean, it. We, we we like it, but I, I think that you know we're we're sort of we're more inclined to really celebrate beers that have these qualities because they're not as common. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Kolsch is about as common as, you know, your your double coffee imperial stout, right? right? So I mean, just because it's not as extreme, you know. Well, I mean, Jeff and I are not the guys who, who say, you know, it's all about alcohol by volume and it's all about you know, big, huge flavors. Jeff and I are very much about, it's all about the enjoyability of the beer. And we hope that you are, too, when you're listening to us, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and this does say bottled with love on yeah. gives you a date. Yeah, both the um, Shafleys are bottled with love. That's good. What if they kiss each bottle before it goes out? Next, though, you know, I agree with you the whole way through. The Goat's Breath Brachio, that, that chocolate is really interesting, really dynamic, uh, a, a 
It's not what I would classify as a classic Bach, but that's okay because it, if like we just talked about, it gives you room to jump around and say, you know, compare this to a classic Bach. It's not the same thing, but here's kind of what we're, our interpretation on it. Here's mm-hmm. here's the Jackson Pollock version of a, <laughs> of a Bach, right? chocolate cayenne Bach. Absolutely. Right. Uh, yeah, the Ray Hills Pilsner. I mean, I really did. I, I was not expecting to like it at all. I saw a really? C grade on oh, Beer okay. Advocate. I was thinking, you know what? It's not going to. It's probably going to taste like a DMSC lager. I mean, it was DMS in it, but. I really did enjoy the the, the, the the forward maltiness of it. And I always make a point to, of it. to not pay attention to the beer advocate ratings. It, 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 I, I try to. Even when I grab the information off the site, I, I'm able to do it without looking at the big letter that's right in the middle there. I mean, sometimes sometimes I, you know, it, it's a good variable to get on, but on beers like Pilsner's, it's, beers like this, mm-hmm. beers like Ray Hill's, it's not a good bias because I think they're biased towards big hoppy big flavored beers sure absolutely uh, and yeah next thing I go with the Zahn I, I it was Zahn Zahn Zoom Zine Zine whatever it is I didn't love it I, I love wheat beers I didn't love this one there's some great Boulevard beers this does not really rank up there in the in, in that fashion I think with the other great Boulevard beers it's kind of it's it's just kind of okay. okay, and it didn't really give me the kind of flavors that I wanted from a wet beer. And yeah, then next I would just go with the Scotch ale. It was again, you know, not really the style, which isn't necessarily a negative, but it just it wasn't yeah, it didn't quite f- match up to the other beers we had tonight. So that's it. Check that out. The uh, Scotch Ale comes in a different bottle than the uh, Cool Shale. has a higher shoulder. Slightly different, yeah. Slightly. It's hard to notice, but it's there. Huh. It might have been just a different line. Today. Yeah, they might have got bottles from different manufacturers. Or but it has a higher shoulder than Cause the... Because the, uh, the, the Scotch was in January and this one was in March. So, yeah. All right, that's all for Craft Beer Radio. Thank you very much for listening. This show will be up after all the Saber content, which you already know that because you're listening to this after the Saber content. And uh, she'll tell us stuff we already know. Yep. All right. Well, we'll see you again when we do another show, which will be episode number 116. No, it'll be episode 116. 116. <laughs> <laughs>